You're listening to the Lessons in Real Estate Show, sponsored by Mission First Capital, bringing real estate investment deals for active duty and veteran investors. Your host, Anthony Pinto, searched land, air, and sea to find military investors just like you investing in multifamily and commercial real estate, both active duty and veterans. Hear their stories, learn their lessons, and be inspired by the obstacles they have overcome on their path to financial freedom. Whether you are overseas or stationed at home, if you want to get started as a military real estate investor, this is the show for you. And now your host, Anthony Pinto. I'm so excited to have you guys here today on the revamped new and improved version of the Lessons in Real Estate show. I wanted to refocus on my mission here in life uh, with this podcast, and that is to help teach and inspire 1 million military members and veterans to achieve financial freedom through real estate. And as a part of the March to a Million campaign, my call is to show you the path to freedom of time and money, whether you intend to stay in for 20 years or get out next year. And so listen to the stories of fellow military members and investors just like you struggling, overcoming, and achieving success in multifamily real estate, and even some of them doing it while active duty, and really dig into their lessons learned, as well as their failures on their path to success. Uh, But you came here for the show, so let's get to it. All right, learners, we are back for a, another PCI Teaches here on this Monday. I'm your host, Anthony Pinto. And last week, we talked about uh, how to use a 10-minute offer when you're initially evaluating a property. And uh, this is extremely useful because underwriting as a whole takes a lot of time. And there's a lot of details and a lot of information that goes into that. And uh, you can really get bogged down and spend multiple hours evaluating properties. And having that initial 10 minute kind of look at it, you know, sometimes even takes five minutes, depending on how, uh, how proficient you are at looking at the numbers and evaluating a deal, you can get a pretty quick snapshot of yes, this does work or no, this doesn't work and, and use your no, uh, your go, no go criteria to give you, hey, yes, this works. No, this doesn't work. Let's move it on to the next pile or hey, let's go uh, for a deeper kind of underwriting analysis on this property. So Part six of our series here is about assumptions to use when initially underwriting your deal. And uh, these assumptions are specifically for uh, expenses. And you know we can get into a little more detail on the income and stuff at a later time, but this is specifically assumptions for expenses to use. So again, let's kind of initially, let's break down what expenses we should expect uh, when it comes to multifamily properties and really commercial real estate as a whole, but this is specific to multifamily property. So right off the top, uh, the, the expenses we should expect are real estate taxes and insurance, and those are often tied together. Um, those may or may not change uh, throughout your uh, time period of holding the property, uh, depending on a number of different factors Uh, But those are kind of your non-variable expenses or the real estate taxes and insurance. Other expenses you can expect, contract services. So like your pest control, if you have anybody that routinely comes in and cleans your uh, property, um, you know, landscaping, things of that nature. Uh, 
Other expenses you can expect, uh, and these can be all grouped under utilities as a whole, but I broke them out here because I think it's easier to digest. Uh, and that's going to be trash removal, electric, uh, gas, and water and sewer. And electric is, the price of that is really going to depend on if you're paying for electric or if your tenants are paying for it. But most likely you're going to have a common usage um, electric bill for the hallways, if you have an office, things of that nature. And gas may or may not be applicable depending on if you're even in an area that uses gas. And then uh, water and sewer is really, unless you're in a newer building where everything's kind of submetered out uh, per unit, you're most likely paying for that. So those are your utility expenses. You're also gonna have legal costs um, and those may or may not be uh, pretty substantial depending on if you have a lot of evictions going on uh, or you're having to deal with you know, a, a number of different legal issues outside of evictions like tenant issues, you're getting sued uh, for this or that, whatever that may be. Uh, your management fee is gonna be dependent on um, the size of the property and if you have anybody on payroll but it can or cannot, or may or may not be a pretty significant uh, percentage. Repairs and maintenance are gonna be uh, pretty large there and we'll get into a thumb roll on that here. Um, payroll, like we mentioned, and then you're just gonna have general or admin costs. So that may be your office supplies, uh, renting out furniture. Uh, if you have to, uh, if you're paying for internet for your office or for your tenants uh, specifically, um, you know, things of that nature, really kind of the office admin type of stuff. And then lastly, a lot of what a lot of people don't think about is your amount of money that you're putting towards your replacement reserves. And this is something that's often not disclosed on a T12, uh, because it's something that uh, is not really considered to be an expense. It's more of uh, a number that is uh, set aside or amount of money that's set aside each month or yearly to cover Additional costs for replacement for things of, um, that are considered to be CapEx or capital expenditure items like a roof or air conditioning systems or uh, you know, siding or a number of different things of that nature. Um, and then some additional, two additional, or, well, one additional expense that is not typically uh, considered to be an operating expense, but it's something you're going to have to take into account at a later uh, point is debt service. And debt service is really uh, a fancy way of saying uh, your mortgage. And so that's going to include your principal and your interest uh, payments on that. And what that amount's going to be is really going to depend on what you've worked out with your, um, your uh, lender on how many years of IO or interest only you're going to have, uh, or if you're going to, have to pay a certain amount of, of cap or uh, of principal, and then you have a balloon payment after a certain amount of time. But that's not considered to be an operating expense, so we're not going to talk about the thumb rules for that. So now that we have a base idea of what operating expenses we can expect or general, um, general operating expenses we can expect, what are some general thumb rules we can use when evaluating a property? And this is really going to be... Um, something that you're going to develop more and more as you gain experience with looking at these at different properties and looking at different uh, operating expenses and looking at different T12s. So you really kind of get an idea of how these different uh, expenses will pan out because uh, these are good thumb rules, general thumb rules, but your different uh, 
expenses here are really going to be dependent on location. And, um, you know, for example, a neighborhood in Kansas City or really Kansas City as a whole may have higher taxes than a, uh, a suburb or a, uh, uh, a city like Hampton Roads or Nashville or Atlanta um, or, or uh, Dallas, for example. They may have different insurance rates, so on and so forth. But as a whole, uh, until you really get an experience and understand your market well enough that you can say, yes, you know, taxes are going to be this much as a purchase price. Uh, you know, my legal fees are going to be this much, so on and so forth. Or just stick with these general rules of thumb. So let's start with them. Right off the bat, let's get into uh, real estate taxes. So uh, with all of these expenses, you should really use the mo more conservative of the numbers. So if, for example, you have uh, $20,000 in real estate taxes per year, uh, and you are using the rule of thumb and it's actually giving you, you know, 40,000, then I will go with 40,000. But real estate taxes, a good uh, rule of thumb is to, uh, for underwriting wise, is to use 0.01 of the sales price. So for example, if we are looking at a property and it is worth $1 million, we would expect that the, uh, the, real estate taxes, annual real estate taxes should come out to be about $10,000. And that's may or may not be pretty accurate depending on the tax rate within your area. And one other thing to mention with tax, uh, with real estate taxes, and this is huge because it, it has personally bit me in the ass, is knowing how much your taxes are going to go up uh, when you purchase a property and knowing when the taxes are reassessed on that property. So for example, let's say that you buy a property for a million dollars and that property was originally about, was originally um, uh, last bought, let's call it five years ago at $500,000. Well, the property may still be sitting at an assessment of around 500, maybe even six or $700,000, depending on how many how much improvements have been done on that property. And so when you go to buy the property at a million dollars, the real estate taxes are suddenly going to be much higher, potentially be much higher because now it's being reassessed at a much higher value. And the second part of that is you really need to know when that assessment is going to go into effect. And that's going to be based off of uh, municipality. So some cities like to reassess taxes every two years. Uh, some like to reassess every year. Some like to reassess upon a purchase of a property or a sale of a property, um, or they do it at a certain quarterly basis, like uh, you know third quarter of every year. So understanding that and knowing when your taxes are going to be reassessed or how much additional taxes you may have to pay is super important. But Overall, just being really conservative with the real estate taxes and adding a, an additional and a buffer in there, I think is a really smart move. The second expense that you're going to look at is the insurance. And this is, again, going to depend on the area, um, but a pretty good rule of thumb is 0.007% of the sales price. So for a million dollar property, you can expect that the uh, insurance for that property on an annual basis is going to be about $7,000. Now, additional insurance you should be thinking about, uh, and that's that's general insurance. So uh, cover things like fire um, you know, or any earthquakes, any tenant damage, uh, things of that nature, general insurance that you would have like on your own home if you own a house. Uh, additional insurance that 
uh, is not included in that is flood insurance. So if you're in an area that requires you to have flood insurance, that could significantly increase your insurance costs. But that is something that you should know going in to the, uh, into this deal. And it should definitely be something that is uh, shown on the T12 as an additional uh, insurance, as, as uh, having flood insurance or not having flood insurance. And that's something that you should definitely take a look at, especially if the property is coastal or if it's near a river. Uh, you may be surprised uh, the areas that need flood insurance and those that don't um, and how expensive that flood insurance can be for the property. So the third expense you should look at uh, for thumb rules is contract services. And that's typically going to be about $200 per unit per year. So uh, let's say that you have a 100 unit property. You can expect that the uh, contract services for that for the uh, year are going to be about $20,000. And uh, that's a pretty safe amount, uh, depending on what type of services you need. So for example, uh, snow removal is not really an issue when you're dealing with property in Florida, for example, or in Texas, but it may be a huge deal if you're buying a property in Minnesota or in the Northeast, for example. But overall, $200 per unit per year is a pretty good uh, general rule of thumb there. Uh, let's get into utilities. So the first utility let's, let's talk about for general uh, for rules of thumb are is trash removal. So trash removal at $200 per unit um, it, per year is a pretty pretty standard amount. Um, and that's going to depend if your tenants pay for that or you pay for that. Most often the owner pays for trash removal for the property, but $200 per unit per year. So again, at 100 units, you're looking at $20,000 in trash removal uh, per year. Uh, electric. Electric is, again, going to depend on if it's submetered and is paid for by tenants or by you. Um, but if it is assuming that it, it the electric is paid by each individual unit, uh, you're looking really at $100 per unit for the common area costs. So uh, hallway lighting, uh, electricity for your office, um, outdoor lighting, uh, street lamps, stuff like that. It's about $100 per unit uh, for your those common area costs. And so that's going to be about $10,000 if you're looking at a 100 unit uh, property. Gas. If there is gas on the property in the first place, uh, it's and the owner pays for it, it should be about $100 per unit per month uh, for uh, those costs. And uh, I sorry, I should um, Re reassess that for you uh, for the electric. That's going to be about $100 per unit per month for electric. And the same is going to hold true for gas as well, if the owner pays $100 per unit per month. So you're looking at about uh, $10,000 per unit per month for electric and gas on that 100 unit property. And uh, it seems like pretty high amounts, but uh, you know, again, use the most conservative number. If you're really looking at electric and gas are high, you know, at about fifteen or twenty thousand dollars per month, then use that amount uh, versus ten thousand. All right, uh, water and sewer. Uh, water and sewer is a pretty significantly high cost. Um, it's probably one of the highest utility costs that you're going to have because uh, most often water and sewer are not submetered out. They're mostly a common line, uh, depending on how old the building is. Um, and so that comes out to be about $400 per unit per month, which is a, a pretty significant amount of money uh, coming in there. And some ways that you can, well, 
we'll get into submetering and what that means for you and some additional ways you can increase income later. But if you're looking at a, uh, a hundred unit building at $400 per unit uh, per month, you're looking at $40,000 in water and sewer costs per month, which is pretty significant and pretty huge cost there. Uh, so those are utilities. Let's get in to the next expense is legal fees. And this is really going to depend on the type of property you have. So if you have a class D property, you're most likely dealing with a lot more legal issues like um, tenants suing you or evictions than you would if you have a brand new class A property uh, with higher class of tenants. That's uh, a lot uh, with much higher rents. But overall, I think the good rule of thumb for that is $150 per unit uh, for the year um, for legal fees alone. Next one is pretty significant is uh, going to be repairs and maintenance. And that's uh, typically about 10% of your gross income. So uh, in that example we used last week uh, for a million dollar uh, annual gross income coming in, you could expect that your repairs and maintenance are going to be about $100,000 uh, for the year. And that's actually pretty accurate, depending on uh, the, you know, the, the age of the property, how much renovations are actually going on, so on and so forth. But uh, repairs and maintenance is going to be about 10% of your gross income. Uh, I'm going to group together maintenance fees and payroll and talk about them at, as one. So your maintenance fees uh, are going to depend on the size of the property. So if we're talking a uh, 20 unit building, your management fees are probably going to be higher, like seven, 8%, uh, depending on the area and depending on what the, the going rate is for management fees uh, for a uh, multifamily property like that. Now, if we're talking a 100, 250 unit building where you're going to have to take into account payroll costs, your management fee is most likely going to be three to four, five percent, uh, depending on um, who you're working with and again the area. But a general rule of thumb is to uh, just use the highest amount of uh, you know maintenance fee, management fees that you're seeing within that area. So if your area is generally showing you a eight uh, percent management fee for multifamily, uh, really across the board, then use eight percent until you really have a uh, good understanding of what maintenance fee, management fees are looking like within that area. Um, I would go with the most conservative number and, and really the highest number within your area. So, uh, but really that's gonna vary anywhere between five to 10%, but I would use the most conservative highest number until you get a better idea of what management fees look like within your area. And so, this is going to depend again on the size of the property, but if you're talking a smaller property, like a 20 unit, you're most likely not going to have any leasing agents or maintenance guys on hand. Uh, that's going to take up payroll costs. Now, if you're talking 100, 250, 400 unit building, yeah, you're probably going to have multiple people in the leasing office, multiple maintenance guys on payroll, including workmen's comp that you're going to have to pay for. So that payroll amount can be pretty significant depending on the size of the property, uh, anywhere from you know five to ten percent of gross income, depending on uh, how many maintenance guys or leasing office staff or whoever else that you're bringing in for that. But that's something that uh, is often a great way to cut expenses. If you, uh, for example, have you know uh, multiple properties within the area and you only, only want to have one leasing office at one location that's central to those to those properties 
the next one we're going to talk about is general and admin. And uh, really, that's going to vary depending on the property. Really don't have any good thumb rules for that one um, because it's so dependent on the property itself. But I would say, you know, three three percent is probably not a, uh, a bad start. Um, three percent of your gross income is probably not a bad start place to start when it comes to general and admin. And then the last one expense we're going to talk about is replacement reserves. And that should be about $250 per unit per year. And that is, again, again going to be dependent on the uh, age of the property, the class of the property. For example, if I'm talking a you know, 1940s Class D property, hasn't had any renovations or, or replacements done in you know, decades, then your replacement reserves should probably be higher at like $400 per unit per year. Now, let's say you're talking about a class A property that's you know only five years old, you probably can lower that replacement reserve down to maybe $100 per unit per year. But it's totally up to you, but I think the good rule of thumb is $250 per unit per year there. So a lot that we talked about here today, and if you want to recap or see, you know, a breakdown of what those rules of thumb look like, uh, you reach, feel free to reach out to me, and I'm happy to talk through uh, all of these different rule of thumbs for expenses specifically in more detail. Um, but with that, uh, this is ends our part six of our multi-part series on underwriting, and uh, you know, next week we'll get into more details on actually underwriting and you know, plugging in numbers and how everything kind of shakes out when you start using an actual deal analyzer for that. But until next week, hope you guys have a great week and catch you next time on the Lessons in Real Estate Show. Thanks for listening. If you are a military investor and found this episode of the Lessons in Real Estate Show packed with great information, tell your friends and leave a five-star rating on your listening platform. Every comment is read and appreciated. Don't forget to check out our weekly episodes of PCI Teaches, brought to you by Pinto Capital Investments. Learn about basic and advanced topics in real estate investing. Catch updates on Anthony's journey through learn and teach segments. And listen to the tales of other military investors and real estate professionals every week. We'll catch you next time on the Lessons in Real Estate show.